I'm a big cheerleader of progress, not perfection, right? I want you to have systems that work for you. And it's not always about rainbow cookbooks or, you know, things that look perfect. It's got to, it's got to suit the way that you live. Hi guys, we're your hosts, Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adults, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi friends, we are in full swing spring cleaning mode over here, but this year we wanted to back up and learn how to actually declutter and organize our homes and our lives properly. Instead of doing what I do and piling everything into one scary closet that I never (laughs) open and then calling it a day. And then also when I have people over, sometimes the closet just bursts open literally and like falls off the tracks and everything explodes everywhere. So yeah, don't do it my way. I mean, if you don't have one junk drawer in your home or like a crazy closet, are you even real? I don't know. A hundred percent. But there is so much fascinating psychology behind organization, which we learned about in this episode. And just like our attachment to objects and how we can make tidiness a habit with systems and rewards. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So today we are joined by the home organization pro, Megan Golightly, who links neuroscience to organization. And we honestly learned so friggin' much from her. If you do have a room or the junk drawer or you're like Jill and your closet is bursting at the seams, this one is for you. You guys are going to love this episode. This one was seriously a game changer for me because as you will hear soon enough, messiness has basically been my entire personality trait for 30 years. <laughs> but I've been really wanting to change that and I just needed help with how to actually like implement organization in my life and like what systems to use and like I know everyone always says like oh everything needs a home but I'm like I don't know what those homes are and honestly whether you're obsessively clean or like notoriously disorganized it's just really easy to start telling yourself these narratives about yourself and to then get Mm -hmm. stuck in them which is what I've been doing about myself for decades but as Megan talks about today there really is a cost to clutter and like I have been paying that cost the time and mental capacity that I could have been saving all along if I wasn't constantly trying to find where my things were within my mess the shame and the embarrassment and like anxiety that I feel when people come over and my place is super disorganized and I just feel like I should be making more out of the home that I have because I'm lucky to even have one and that kind of weighs on me and I even the financial implications of being disorganized like how many times have people bought duplicates of things or like let the original things that you had expire because your cupboards weren't organized and your shit wasn't where you thought it would be. So you didn't think you had it. So you went out and bought another toothpaste or another spare phone charger because you forgot that you already had one. Oh, totally. Or like another bottle of foundation because you couldn't find the one that you stockpiled. So you waste money yeah. when you don't know where your shit is and when you're disorganized. I do this all the time. I'm like, I'm convinced that I've run out of things and then I buy new things and then I find the things that I was originally looking for. So Everything we learned today is just going to help so much. And I feel like I finally understand my own mental blocks and how I can get past the scarcity mindset and like the over sentimentality that's been keeping me accumulating a lot of shit over the years. Yeah. And it's hard because especially as we get older, we inherit a lot of stuff and we get 
heirlooms and like family trinkets and things like that. So it can be really hard to let go of those sentimental items. Totally. And honestly, I think for me, the reason why I love having a tidy home and home organization is because it really impacts my mood and my mental health. Yeah. I notice such a difference when I wake up in the morning and my house is clean versus when I wake up and it's like a fucking shit show. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact that I have anxiety, but I just find when there's less clutter in my space and in my mind, I can just function better. And I mean, Gabe and I don't have a lot of stuff. We are minimalists. We've been minimalists ever since that documentary came out on Netflix. So because we don't have a lot of stuff, the stuff that we do have usually serves a purpose. So it's either functional, it's sentimental, or it's just something that sparks joy in our lives. Because I don't think people realize just how much the stuff in our lives impacts our lives. 100%. This is why home organization is so important. So whether you prefer to have super strict and intricate systems in place, or you want to adopt that Marie Kondo does it spark joy mentality, there really is an organization style for everyone. Literally anyone can be good at it. It doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect. It's just a muscle that you need to work on. Yeah, and there's so many little changes that you can start making even today that will just change your routine and easily break you out of these bad habits like my one friend she starts the year with all of her hangers turned one way in her closet and then when she wears something she puts it back and she turns it the other way and then at the end of the season or the year she can clearly see what she did and didn't wear judging by which way the hangers are facing and then she'll donate or sell the stuff that she hasn't been using and I have 100% convinced myself that I wear everything that I own and that I need to keep everything and that like of course all of those items get used constantly when honestly I probably wear 20% of it if that literally same you just kind of got to get real with yourself and find a system that works for you that will keep you accountable and that will actually expose the things that you do and don't need I could not agree more but we are not the experts so we called in Megan Golightly Megan is a professional home organizer and the founder of the Calgary-based business Simplified, which helps people organize, pack, and unpack their homes. And the super cool thing about Megan is that she blends her degree in psychology and passion for neuroscience research with practical organization strategies. She takes on projects big and small, organizing the homes of Jillian Harris, Bird's Papaya, Jan Arden, and just helping busy families simplify their spaces and make their lives easier. And her goal really is to just help everyone feel at ease in their homes and remove any negative feelings and thoughts that they have about their clutter and about themselves and their homes. So stay tuned because she is such a lovely, thoughtful, and wise person. We learned so much from her. Teach us how to get organized, Megan. Well, Megan, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We're so excited to talk to you. We are both the polar opposites with home organization, so this is going to be great. But me being the, maybe the more, I don't want to say clean, because Jill, you are clean, but I still have a lot to learn, and there's so much I'm that I'm very we... messy. I'm very messy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's an organized mess, which we'll, we'll get to it all. We'll get to it all. Right. But anyways, we're very excited to learn from you today. Good. I'm excited to be here. We know that there is a lot of great advice out there for home organization, but the reason why we're so fascinated to chat with you is because of the neuroscience aspect behind Go Simplified and what they add to this space. So could you tell us about how you connect neuroscience with organization? Sure. Well, you know, I've been doing organizing for about 14 years and it took me a while to figure out 
that there are definitely different organizational styles kind of based on personality of whether people like to see things out and they can function better when things are out or if people like things to be hidden. You know, these are all things that play into the way that you want your home set up. And the psychology behind it really is that uh, if, if it isn't set up the way you want it, then anxiety sets in and anxiety is paired to items in your home and then you can never get pie it because your prefrontal cortex shuts down and just doesn't want to do the work and you know i always say to my clients i don't even like to do my own house sometimes Mm -hmm. sometimes i do but a lot of the time our own house is really hard to do and we'll get into some ways that i think that you can manage it better and asking you know better questions to yourself when you're going through things because it is a bit of a learned skill and those neural pathways have to be reprogrammed in positive ways true i love what you also said about the different styles of organization because mm-hmm. i think I've just gone my whole life thinking that to be organized, I need to have like so many clear containers and I need to have like (laughs) spinny things like lazy Susans. And then I need to put everything there at the end of each day. And that's really, I'm not good at that. I'm not great with like routine and with, with organization. And so I've just created a narrative for myself that I'm, I'm not an organized person and I can't be and like there's shame and guilt and all of these things that you pile on. And then you, it's just a self-perpetuating thing because then right. you never put in the effort to because you just think you're going to be bad. Right. So I, it really resonated with me when I saw you talking about the different styles because I was like, oh, maybe I've just been thinking about it wrong. Maybe I need a shelf where I put all my skincare and it just goes there rather than trying to like fit it all into these cute little boxes that I'm never going to use. And right. maybe if, if I don't like hanging things up, maybe I need more drawers. Like that's hmm. interesting. I really yeah. love that approach. The problem is a lot of people see pictures online and and Pinterest that personify perfection. And we say, you know, I'm a big cheerleader of progress, not perfection, right? I want you to have systems that work for you. And it's not always about rainbow cookbooks or, you know, things that look perfect. It's got to, it's got to suit the way that you live and the efficiency that you live in, right? Sometimes clients who have little kids, the socks should be downstairs in a basket by the door because eight pairs of little feet go downstairs or four pairs of feet and and they go to get their socks and they all have to go back upstairs. And I, you know, I don't want to get your 10,000 steps going up and down stairs every morning. So to avoid fights <laughs> and being late for school, then you just have a basket out, right? And it may not make the cover of house and home, but it works. So efficiency is really important. I love that. Yeah. And, and mimicking those like picture perfect moments on Pinterest, it can be really, really discouraging. So I am all mm-hmm. about the do what works for you and find efficiencies and it's yeah, not going to look like everyone else, but it's giving me hope that maybe there's a system that I can use that will work for me. So what do you find the biggest barriers are to organization for those like me who struggle with it? And why do you think that clutter kind of accumulates in the first place? Like what's at the root of, of those issues? You know, a lot of people, there's sort of an aha moment for them when they think about clutter. And I like to, you know, sort of back it up and say, what is clutter, right? And I think clutter is anything that really hasn't earned the right to be in your house or something that doesn't have a home yet. And often houses seem cluttered to people because all of the things that they use every day are out because all of the things that they don't use are in the drawers and the cupboards and the shelves taking up the space. So 
clutter is the most important thing to look at because if we don't dive deep into the storage rooms and the garages and those cupboards that you think aren't important, then we haven't purged that stuff out yet. So of course there's no yeah. place for all the things on the countertop to go because they really do belong in the cupboards and the drawers. And you know, an example of this that kind of makes sense is your fridge, right? You have food in the fridge and if you have blueberries or yogurt or something and something starts to go rotten and it's got like a horrific smell, you take it out, you're forced to take it out because it smells, right? So you clean out your fridge. Yeah. People usually did a good job of managing to clean, to declutter their fridge, maybe not to clean it, but to declutter it, they take out the rotten food. But in our cupboards, you know, your yearbooks from 1982 or your textbooks don't start smelling and so you don't clear them out. But those are the things that need to come out to make room for the things that you are using currently, right? To, to kind of right size instead of downsize. You need to use the things that are important to you today. They're just things that haven't earned the right to be there and you haven't looked at them lately. So how does clutter happen? Well, like you said, you've never really maybe been taught how to manage it. Maybe you had a parent who didn't care, or maybe you had a parent who didn't take the time to show you. Sometimes clutter happens out of a chaotic event, right? It happens to me when I'm filming content and I have to mess a room up and then I don't get time to clean it up again, right? So it's mm -hmm. it's a divorce, it's a yeah. child being born, it's you know an illness, it's COVID. Some people just move things from room to room to room and they don't ask themselves the right questions on how to deal with it. So clutter just kind of moves sideways. And some people are sadly addicted to kind of their punishing thoughts. And they they almost like to keep that pattern because it's easier to complain about themselves than to actually make the decisions and deal with the clutter, right? It's, hmm. you only know hmm. what you know, right? So that's yeah. kind of what causes clutter. It's funny because I grew up in a really really organized uh household my my mom is is very very organized and it was like pretty strict in terms of if I left clothes out like the clothes would be put into a garbage bag and I wouldn't get them back until whatever you know the end of the month or something so there was like punishment associated with right. that and and I was really messy like every report card was Jillian's desk could really use some work you know and so <laughs> I almost think that when I was younger I like revolted against the idea and was just like, well, I don't want to spend my time and energy on this. So I'm just going to like do the opposite and define myself instead of like how I'm raised by, by being the opposition of it. But now that I'm grown, <laughs> I don't want to be that way. And I'm seeing all the ways that it yeah. punishes yourself. There's a cost and we're going to get into that, but I want to make my life easier. I want to make my time management easier. And I'm certainly not doing that by continuing to like not really find systems that work so that makes a lot of sense I think some people aren't really raised to understand and then some people put up the blinders and say well I don't want to be that extreme with how I run my household so now I'm going to be the opposite and that's not working for me right and ultimately there is a cost to clutter and you know some people say well I you know they take the the opposite side and they say well why would I organize it's just going to get messed up and so you know I kind of say well that's like saying why would you shower because you get dirty again or why would you ever clean your house because yeah. yeah it gets dirty why would you exercise well because you want to have a healthy heart and you want to be around for your loved ones right you need to take care of your body so there are excuses and I think sometimes people get in their own way um, and I'm you know I'm really excited to talk about some of these questions and 
people tell themselves stories about why they can't get rid of things. And we find that when I'm in a room working with a client one-on-one and the story can kind of be told, it's easier to let go of the story because the story has been heard and then we give them permission and then they can throw things out. So, or donate things or recycle them. Um, but often that story has to come out, but some people get stuck in the story and they tell the story about the story about the story because that's the pattern that they've repeated and it supports, it's easier to tell that story than to really make a change like psychologically with anything, right? You can make excuses forever. So it just depends how badly you want it and how important it is to the rest of your family or your roommates or your loved ones or your kids because you don't want to pass it down to them. You don't want to pass it up and you don't want to pass it down. It's just not really fair. And it it takes courage too to set those boundaries and tell people, you know, no, I, I want to live my life this way. I'm not telling myself positive thoughts when I look at all this clutter and I, I don't want it in my house. And um, you have the right to say that. So your worth is is yeah. is worth it. I just want to back up one quick second sure. because I want to talk about the different kinds of home organization because I didn't even know that there were different types. So what order should we be doing them? I know there's organizing, decluttering, tidying, and cleaning. Well, intuitively, you can't organize yourself out of a mess, right? And if organizing were easy, Let's put it this way. If decluttering was easy, you would have done it in the first place. There wouldn't be a need for me to come over or a friend to come over. So it's the decluttering that is the most important step, but people get excited about the word organizing and they say, I need to get organized, right? Instead, you know, really we should be calling ourselves declutterers because most people it's the necessary first step. And you don't really realize that, that until you get all of like things in the same place at the same time, you have no idea how many you have. So once you, you know, strip a room apart, which is emotionally and physically necessary, if you're doing a drawer or doing a room, everything has to come out. That's when the spouses come home or the partners and they're like, what the heck is happening here? (laughs) Because it looks terrible before it looks better, but everything has to come out. You make piles of similar things. You decide how many you need based again on some of these questions I'm going to ask, and then you build it back up. And that's when the organizing comes. But, you know, it's funny, people get all jazzed up about organizing and then they stop at Ikea on the way home and they buy all these organizing things, but they have no idea what they need to organize. And until you declutter, you don't really know what systems you need, right? So decluttering is the first step because you can't organize clean or tidy until you've gotten rid and you're down to the minimum Mm -hmm. of what you need to live with. People just want to skip to the fancy that makes bins. Sense. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes it happens to me, right? Yeah. You know, you get that low level of anxiety and that's when people usually bolt and they leave to go do something and they get distracted and they never come back. But that low level of anxiety neurologically is mother nature's sign that you're actually on the right track, right? That's what makes a deer in the wild stand up and go get food. That anxiety is adrenaline to keep them going to search for food and water. So when you get that low level of anxiety about your things, it's actually good. You know, you need to lean into it and get a bit of a reward, you know, get that dopamine hit, keep going. And then that neural pathway will be forged and formed that you're, you're not pairing anxiety with it, that you actually had a small level of success and you can keep going. But if you feel that anxiety and quit and get scared, then you won't go back to it. But it can be rewarding too if you 
make it make it fun and stay in the game. Yeah. Stay in the game. So you've decluttered and you've organized. And then is it just generally once you've done those things, that's when you're like cleaning and tidying? Or, well, or yeah, because you have the ability to, right? You know, if a cleaner comes in to do a house and we see this all the time, if stuff's all over the place, they can't do their job and they can't clean. So what they do is they put things yeah. into boxes and they hide things and they push them into the cupboards and, you know, you're just pushing clutter around really. So you need to deal with it first. It's not easy, but I think the why it's not easy is because we're asking ourselves the wrong questions. You know, it's funny. I think I think I'm organized, but hearing all this, I don't think I am. Like, uh, to your point earlier, <laughs> where, no, I really don't. Like, things might be, there might be not a lot of things on surfaces, but like my nightstands have a bunch of stuff in it that I never use. Like, why is it taking up prime real estate yeah. then? It should be, I don't even know where it should be. Maybe I should even donate half of it. Probably, I, I truly don't know what's yeah, in there. <laughs> probably. And then there would be the room for the things on top. And that's why we yeah. have success when we go to clients' houses because we take that, we're not emotionally attached to the things. So we, you know, rip it apart and their faces like, oh my God, what's going on? And then they come back and we make decisions about what they should keep and what they shouldn't keep. And, you know, we're experts at it. So they look to us for advice. You know, we see those people that have too many, can you relate to this? Too many mugs. Tupperware lids that don't match, too many cookbooks that they oh never God, use, yes. too many books that they think they're going to read someday or have yeah. already read, right? Yeah. And <laughs> people hang on to things for interesting reasons because, again, they just aren't asking the right questions when they're going through it. So let's talk about that. Like, why, what do you think does stop people from letting go of items and decluttering? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, for some people, scarcity mindset or there's memories and sentiment. But what, what are you finding with your clients, like, that the most pervasive reasons are? Well, you've just said a few of them, you know, to me, those are just stories that we tell to support, to hang on to them, right? So sometimes people are perfectionists. They get paralyzed that they're going to get it wrong. So they don't do anything at all yeah. because they think, well, I'm not going to do a good yeah. job and it's not going to look like Pinterest. So I'm not even going to start. But that's with the end result in mind of some picture that, like you said, isn't even really what you want. So there's that person, there's somebody who's ever bought something that, you know, I'm sure you could name something that you've purchased that was just a bad purchase. Mm -hmm. Can you think of anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So people hang on to those because it's easier to keep it than to admit that little bit of guilt of like, you know, big deal. I made a mistake. I bought an alarm clock and I don't like it. So they hang on to it and then it clutters up their house, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just being brave and saying, you know what, I made a mistake. The money's gone, it's spent, I can't return it. It doesn't make the money stay around, but I'm gonna donate this to somebody who just came over from the Ukraine who has no alarm clock or who has nothing. So, yeah. you know, you can get rewarded for donating as well and letting go if you start practicing feels good, but it's just not serving you. And it's like keeping a bad friend around, right? It's just torturous. It's reminding you mm -hmm. that you made a mistake every time you look at it. So we don't keep people in our lives who are cruel to us and who don't treat us fairly. And it's just a mistake. So it's funny how it's easier to walk yeah. away and be brave to people sometimes rather than things. But it's yeah. because you're, you got to admit that maybe you made a mistake and then there's the guilt of, well, my neighbor gave it to me and I, I don't want to get rid of it because if she comes over, my mom comes over and sees that I don't have this out, 
So then they keep things out. You keep things out that you don't even like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just, you know, there's no obligation to keep it really. You need to be brave and say, you know, I passed it along. It wasn't my favorite or, you know, thanks very much for the gift. It was the thought that counted. And, you know, then you have the right to do what you want to do with it really in your home. And that's hard because I feel like this new generation, I mean, we don't have large spaces that we live in. And I think like boomers are kind of downsizing and giving Mm -hmm. away their things to their kids who either don't have the space or don't really want the items, but there's so much guilt. Like, I hope my parents don't hear this, but my brother, my parents just moved (laughs) and downsized into a condo and my brother ended up taking so much stuff because he felt bad saying no, that he he pays for a monthly storage space just for the items. Like he's not even using half of them. Yeah. So it's, it's courage and practice, right? To say, again, we know those, those words aren't easy, but it's better to say them and deal with it than to burden yourself with it because the cost of clutter is your time. It's your mental health. It's harmony in your family. It's fights, Mm -hmm. it's anxiety, right? It's, it's like a killer. It's like sugar, you know? So it's worth being brave and saying those words and wrapping your head around the fact that they might understand that you don't want the things to burden you. You can take pictures. There's all sorts of things you can do. It's a hard conversation to have, but it's, it's the right conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And the financial cost of clutter, I find so interesting too, because when I moved into the place I'm currently at, I, for the first time, didn't have like a locker that came with my unit. And, and I've always had a locker and that's where I kept all the shit that I really don't use or need. And I had to make some decisions and be like, okay, I'm not going to keep these like six piece of luggage that I don't need that's good, that I don't have room for. And, and so, but, but before I got to that point, I kept being like, okay, maybe I can rent someone else's locker or maybe I can, like I was looking for ways to spend my money to store things to that I don't it. really use or need. Yeah. yeah. And then it like really hit me. Why am I, why am I paying to, to store my crap? So then I started really thinking about the financial cost of like, am I just going to continue to get a bigger and bigger space when my needs haven't changed, but just because I've accumulated things, that doesn't make sense. Right. Some people buy bigger houses because of it, right? And then they move all their stuff. Um, So there's so many other things. There's, you know, people that say, oh, I can repurpose this, or I'm going to keep this just in case I need it. And, you know, I hear those every day and, and I'm not perfect. Like, don't get me wrong. I have a wedding dress downstairs stairs I'm not even married anymore but I have the wedding dress because I spent way too much money and it was this fancy dress and and I'm not even married and I love the dress and I have pictures so I'm talking about it but I need to pass it along to somebody who can use it and when you start to think of the questions differently and ask yourself you know I'll invite people to when they are on their own when we're not with them ask three questions and usually the answers are quite clear when they ask these three questions and and the questions are do i love it right do i love this is it my favorite right if you have six spatulas Mm. right which which kind of is your favorite because you don't really need six but do i love it would i buy this again today right also am i currently really you know realistically using this Right. And a good example of that is I was working with a client last week and she had a, um, a pin collection from her old job. 
And she's like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this pin collection? Because we were going through some old things. And usually what happens if you don't ask those questions is you go through those story questions that we asked before to justify to keep them. And then you end up passing them on to your kids. But mm -hmm. if you ask yourself yeah. those questions, which we asked her is, you know, do you love these? And she's like, not really. Like I used to, but not anymore. I don't even, I didn't even remember them. Would you buy these again today? She's like, no, no, like I, I wouldn't. And are you using them? And she said, no. And I said, well, then it's a collection that was a collection. It was fun at the time. It gave you joy, but you don't really need them anymore. And she's like, okay, pass the goodbye. And she won't really miss them. And if she really, really wanted to, she could have taken a picture yeah. of them, right? And talked about yeah. them or looked at the picture. But if you ask those questions, you usually get to a different end point than if you ask those questions that we asked before of, sort of those excuse questions. And I ask people to write them down if we're not there, write those three questions down and hear my voice maybe asking you to ask those questions to yourself and ask your spouse, right? Are we really using these, you know, or can we borrow them from yeah. a friend? Can we borrow them from a neighbor? Worst case scenario, could we just run out to Walmart and buy it? You know, what is the actual cost? Yeah. Um, and I understand some people, I totally get it that some people can't afford to buy certain things, but that's no reason to keep 400 of them just in case, right? Mm -hmm. And do you have any clients, this is me asking for a friend, um, <laughs> who have some aspirational items? Because I think that's what I have a lot of now that I'm thinking about it and listening to this conversation. Like I'm guilty of having that stack of books that I will never read. Like I just, I know I won't. I would love to think I'm a reader okay. and I would yeah, love this to is look really one. smart and have yeah. all these books and people can see it and be like, wow, Kaylin, impressive. It's a lie. And then and I have clothing a sizes even. Oh yeah, that that too. Clothing sizes. Yeah, whether stilettos. you go up, Yeah, whether you go up or down a size. Usually when people ask the questions, you you know the answer, right? And sometimes just talking it through, you know, let's say cookbook for example. If you're a chef mm -hmm. and you have 60 cookbooks and you never use them, are you still going to be a good chef if all those cookbooks you know, spontaneously combusted. Yes. Of course. Will you still have your cooking <laughs> yeah. skills? Sometimes when we kind of get too close to the contents, we start to lose the difference between the contents and the container, so to speak of like, what am I and what are they? And we become the same thing. And so you have to peel yourself back mm -hmm. and ask those questions. Again, those three questions, you need to be careful a little bit about dreaming too far in the future or you know, if somebody is losing weight or gaining weight, if you really meet that milestone, then you likely will want to treat yourself and reward yourself and get a few new things and not wear the things that you wore when you were 18 or, you know, that were passed down by somebody else. Psychologically, too, I think having those reminders in your space is probably not good for you anxiety wise like having a stack of books that are looming on your on your nightstand or oh, those it just makes you feel fit. bad yeah. yeah well your brain constantly yeah. does something called duration path outcome where you are trying to solve you know have you ever laid up at at night and you know you wake up and you're already thinking about work or something or trying to solve a problem during the day and it doesn't even really make sense what you're trying to solve and like your brain is always working duration path outcome of how long is it going to last? How am I going to get there? And what's it going to look like? And it's trying to predict what's going to happen. So if you catch that 
pile of books in the corner of your eye subconsciously, your brain is trying to find the solution for what to do with those books because you know that you're not going to read them. And mm -hmm. so insomnia is what happens when your brain is doing duration path outcome on overtime, you're not sleeping. So by getting rid of that clutter, you know, you're emotionally, you're physically getting rid of it so that you don't have to see it, but emotionally you're getting rid of it, which is almost even more important is yeah. to respect your worth. And my, my mom said once, well, that's a, you know, that's a really expensive painting. Well, really like wh how expensive, like, let's break this down, right? Maybe it was $50 when it was purchased and, 1974 and you know maybe it's got some value now as a vintage thing but if it does look it up and sell it right like it's not worth keeping a collection of something of like a 1974 Eaton's catalog book that you think might be worth $50 in 50 years but in the meantime it's cluttering up your life like it, is that $50 worth it what's more valuable your time and your mental health or $50 right so everything could be worth something but we need to live in the present, not in what what might be. I think that's one of the biggest things that's helped me is like in my early 20s and in my early career when, you know, wasn't wasn't making that much money in, in the media world and not doing that great. Mm -hmm. I had this scarcity mindset of like, I have to keep everything because I don't want to throw it out and then need it and then have to rebuy it because then I'm spending money that I don't want to spend. So it'd be like, but do I need five green shirts for St. Patty's Day once a year like <laughs> just, just in case exactly and so I finally like finally got over that keep everything so that you never need to buy anything again and really moved past that I'm trying in my head right now to apply those three questions that you've been walking us through to them but sentimental like memory based items they're so tricky because I would answer and I'm a very sentimental person and like assign mm -hmm. meaning to everything. And so I would say I love them to like the duffel bag of like memories that I have and to like things passed on through generations. But then I probably don't use them. I check one of the three, like I have the love, but not the function for them. So how, how do you help people through those like emotional attachments well, that are just purely based on, you know, memory. Yeah, I have a, a very good friend named Jessica Jansen, who um, has a great um, account as well. And she very sadly lost her son when he, he was, you know, not very old. And um, she and I were talking about this, of how, you know, she said, I got 18 necklaces that had his name on it from people, which was very mm -hmm. kind. But she said, the love for Lewiston was not in the things it's in my heart and it's not going to bring him back. You know, she said, I kept two of them. Right. But I didn't need to keep 17 out of guilt or shame or love for him or for the people who gave them to her even. Right. So if you are keeping something that you think your grandmother would just be so sad if you got rid of it you need to think differently again that mind shift of would your grandmother want you to be free of it and you know spend more time with your friends and you know be happier mental health wise or be sort of a martyr and feel that if I got rid of it you know she'd be mad at me right she she would whisper mm -hmm. down from heaven get rid of it I'm sure <laughs> because she wants you to be free of that take yeah. pictures of things right? It's not usually the physical object, yeah. but people are very scared. And and there is a PTSD, you know, trauma side of things where people just have, you know, suffered things that 
they feel safe and secure with. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. And, you know, there's some situations where we would just be putting a Band-Aid on it. So I'm not talking about those situations. For the people who keep every single card that was ever written to them. That's me. It was the thought that mattered in getting the card. And then they start to become a burden. And then you can't get rid of them because it becomes a collection. And you know what? You're right. You can take pictures. Like I hadn't really thought about that, but I could go through that memory bag and I could just take pictures of the messages that people might have written me that meant a lot in my life because I don't I don't open that bag. I don't look at it, but I look through my phone all the time. Yeah. Jan Arden had a great one, too, when we were at her house and her father was, you know, had a lot of tools. And I think it was one of her friends who took the hammer a saw and put it in a shadow box and she has it up in her living room prominently displayed and otherwise it would be a toolbox that would be at the bottom of something that she'd never look at so she chose a couple things or with her friend and put them up and they're on the wall and she's enjoying them and that's great like you know i'm not saying get rid of everything but if you just don't do any mm-hmm. good except bring you down when you know your brain knows they're in a bin you're almost you're almost not honoring the person by having it in a bin right um, right. Give it to somebody who will enjoy it, pass it on, donate it, or put a few things up. But keeping it all just is yeah. heavy for us, right? And it drowns us because we all are striving for that harmonious, light feeling. And, you know, it's just no fun walking around your house and, you know, sighing and giving yourself negative comments. And when you yeah. sigh, you know, it's your body's sign that you're trying to offload CO2, that you're stressed. And, I see people going through their house where they're like, oh, God, like, oh, God, look at this. And this is my dirty little secret. And your mind doesn't know the difference between, you know, the conscious thought and the other thought of your your mind and your body starts to believe them. And that's why, you know, I really want to help people to to ask different questions. And when they have and when they're ready, then they can use the how to guides and then they can go through those steps of organizing that everybody joyfully really wants to talk about but it's this stuff that's the hard stuff right that that's the fun easy part I love that part but you can't do that until you've done this stuff first or you're just organizing your stuff that you don't use and that shame is so heavy too I mean Kaylin has been over at my house like I don't know upwards of a hundred times and I'd say 95 of them I've had my bedroom door shut and it's I, I live in a small place so it's a third of the place is the bedroom and I have it shut because I'm so driven by the shame of like how messy I am that I will keep all of the places that people can see pretty good. They look pretty good. I try to have systems in place. And then the place that's just for me, which is my room, and I live alone. So it's, you know, I figure no one else is affected. It's just me. But so, and that's a, just like a shit show. And that's actually really sad because that's a place that should be a sanctuary mm-hmm. and like a place where I should be taking care of me and feel good going into. But for years, I just make it like throw everything in there and make sure everyone sees something nice. And then you can go into your weird cluttered well yeah and that you know that's (laughs) the first thing you see when you open your eyes and it's the last thing you see before your bed so before you go to sleep so your mind is thinking about it whether you like it or not it creates anxiety and it isn't good right and so it's worth taking that time or getting a friend in and I I get my team to come and help me with my house sometimes so I ask people, you know, get it, get a friend and pair up and do, you know, get the how-to guides and do their house one day and then do your house one day. But if you really want to tackle it with your spouse, that might be a little bit of crazy town right there, but do it with somebody that you trust who's non-judgmental. but for goodness Mm -hmm. sake, it's worth getting after because 
when you get to the other side, like the DMs that I get of people who have done it, it's like changing. You deserve yeah. it. You, you don't want your gravestone to say like, oh my gosh, I have some great collections. You want it to say like, my house is open to guests <laughs> at any time. And I yeah. care for myself so much that I am worth getting my shit together. Yeah, totally. Okay, so the bedroom probably might, well, let's see what you think. But I, I feel like the bedroom would be a really hard place to start if you're just kind of beginning your organization decluttering journey or like your big spring clean. Is there a part of your house that you recommend people start to just like build momentum, get in the swing? Are there easier areas and others to tackle? That's a good, your, your questions are so good. There is, <laughs> and I say it's the bathroom, right? I put that into my Instagram as one real once because there isn't a lot of sentimental things in your bathroom, right? You don't usually keep right. your photo albums yeah. and some people have junk drawers in their bathroom, you know, of lanyards of conventions they spoke at or attended, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't make the memory more real of that event. You're better to start a journal and, you know, write in the journal about it or something than keep all the things that represent that time or you've, you've got your pictures, right? Yeah. Make a fun album, but the bathroom certainly doesn't usually have a lot of trigger items that are going to, you know, have you stop. And plus makeup is just, yeah, I put on smart. some makeup that was five years old once and I got such a bad rash on my face from it. I'll never do it again. Right. It's just, oh, you're no. doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> Things aren't meant to keep necessarily around forever. And so shame on us then for buying too much, right? What this exercise does is make mm -hmm. you a little bit more mindful when you are at the store. You know, my boyfriend and I were just in Florida and we were in one of those little stores. It's got all those cute little things. And, um, you know, he had a little notepad and he's like, this would be cute by my phone, you know, to keep on the counter. And I looked at him like, really? Like, you know, yes, but he's like, you're right. Like, <laughs> really? I don't want to take all your fun away, but you spend money on something to spend money on it. Right. And it's all it's going to do yeah. is you, you probably have the system already in your house. So mm -hmm. you're either shopping with people you want to impress. So you buy expensive things or you're filling a need for yourself just to spend, but you're better to just look and not feel the need to buy, 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 buy. And because it's way easier once it comes into the house, then it's hard to get rid of. It's way easier to say no in the store. So if you get in the habit of just shopping for the things you need and borrowing some things, then, you know, you don't accumulate as much stuff. Makes you more mindful. It does. When you go through the exercise, it certainly does. Because people don't want to spend that day again going through their closet with us. And they feel right. so no. good that night. No. You know, the DMs I get of like, oh my gosh, I just had the best sleep ever, right? Because <laughs> I enjoyed getting dressed in the morning because I liked my closet and I felt like there was new things. And last week I couldn't yes. even find anything in my drawers and they were all wrinkled and there's just too much stuff. So let your drawers and your cupboards be the bad guy. You're not the bad guy. They are because they're saying we can't take any more. We're full. You know, I have a rule where if I do go shopping, if I put two new things in or two new pairs of shoes, I don't buy more hangers. I have to kick two things out, right? Right then and there, I'll take two things mm -hmm. out. I keep a bin that's, you know, donate that's on the upper level of our house for the kids and I, and I kick it out right then and there because that's what I'm shopping for really is to wear new things and to feel good about what I'm wearing, not to feel bad about having too much. And then the hangers are all squished. And so set a limit on how many things and when things come in, things have to go out or you're just, you know, it, it's going to explode. That's a great idea. That's I love so that. Smart. 
Speaking of closets, very impressed by how you did Sarah Nicole Landry's closet. Mm-hmm. That was an epic clean out, especially because she does share it with her husband. That was amazing. Yeah, that it was system. it was fun. And, she, you know, it, it just there was a couple of things that we did there that fundamentally changed. She had all her denim in a drawer and it just wasn't working. So, we, you know, we had to shift some things around and we put them up high on a shelf with some of those clear shelf dividers so they don't mm-hmm. fall over. And we binned up some things that were in drawers and it takes time. You know, it's a day investment or a half day investment to take everything out, but that's the only way to do it. Cause otherwise your brain knows that you only did it 80% and it's not going to yeah. be happy with you. Right. It'll be like, you didn't look at everything and then there's no use doing it if you're not going to do it all. And you want to have a clean slate when you start back and put things in physically. And do you recommend yeah. doing room by room? Like not the whole house. Oh gosh. No. Declutter. No. Okay. Because I would probably run and move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so there's no way. It takes time. People say, oh, well, I thought my kitchen yeah. would take like three hours. Or we know how long it takes kitchens and we're good at it. And it usually, you know, takes a good portion of the day um, to do it properly, which is take everything out. And, um, you know, those are the steps that I help people do in those guides. Because otherwise, it's never about one cupboard really right or you would have mm-hmm, solved it yeah. they all are interrelated and maybe you don't have things right you've got 50 tea towels in some drawer that you need the drawer for something else and maybe you can keep the tea towels somewhere else and just keep two because really that's all you use in a week and the rest are in the linen closet like you need to right. think it through of where things go okay so if someone were to start tackling a space what would be the first three things that they should do take a deep breath. No, I, again, (laughs) I'm going to say back to, you know, give away the whole guide here, but um, it's in detail there, but I always recommend to people to set themselves up for success, make an appointment with yourself. Don't just do it on a whim when you have 10 minutes because you're going to rip everything apart and then you're going to get even Mm. angrier because someone interrupted you, but really that someone was your child who always comes home from school at four o'clock. So Make an appointment like you would to go to the dentist, right? And start early. Put on some clothes that you feel good, you're comfortable. Put your hair in a ponytail, you know, light a nice candle, put on some music, open the windows. We always do this when we're in clients' houses is lift the blinds, open the drapes, let the light in, um, turn on the lights. It's amazing how hard it is to work in dark rooms. And you just don't feel good in those rooms. If you've got the whole weekend, open a bottle of wine, don't drink too much, but... (laughs) But make it fun, invite a friend who's not judgmental, but book that appointment with yourself. And, uh, you know, and then the steps really are, you got to take everything out of that one area. You know, if I were doing the drawers behind me, I would take, you know, three or four drawers right apart because they're all going to be related and likely things aren't in the right place or it wouldn't be bugging me, right? And then set it up ergonomically for how it works for you, right? Within reach, if you're left or right-handed, like make sure things are accessible. And if if you're like you and you need things out, then have one basket that's catch-all for everything. And if you like it micro-organized, then you break yeah. it down into, you know, staples in one, pens in the other, but you need to suit your style. And if you aren't going to put it back, then have a catch-all for all office supplies and a catch-all for all filing. I like it micro-organized because then I find that I save the step when I do go to file. I like to have my urgent to-do, my to-do, and my to-file, right? I don't like to just put it in a bin because I don't like to touch things twice, but you need to set up the systems that work for you. 
And speaking of systems, one of my favorite uh, quotes about organization came from my childhood best friend who was getting admonished by her mom for, for having a super messy room. And she's like, well, I don't have the infrastructure in place oh to be organized, mom, so there's nothing I could do about it. <laughs> and she was like a child at this point, and it stuck with me. It was hilarious because she was actually right coming full circle on that moment. What's your like secret sauce product, Recos? I'm sure it's different for every house and different pers- every person, but are there products and systems that you think everyone should be considering in their organization journey? There's a lot of companies that are going to more recycled plastic, which is great, you know, so it's not all that bad because clear is good because you can see, see the things. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. again, you know, that's the exciting part is getting the containers and organizing. That's the fun. And usually it's at the end of the day for us going into the trailer once we've done that hard work. But there's certainly some ones that I link on my Instagram that are, you know, they come in an eight pack and they fit in most pantries and they're the ones that are cost effective. There's some turntables on there and I've kind of cherry picked the ones that are cost effective and that work. Otherwise you're searching around and you get some kind of turntable that you have no idea and it's going to fall apart. So the ones that I have on my um, Instagram and that there's a link in my bio that goes to my stores, to my US and Canadian stores. And they're the ones that I don't put anything on there that I haven't tried myself. Yeah. But yeah, you you like your your young friend insightfully said is that the infrastructure has to be there. <laughs> so containers do work when you have a cupboard that's 24 inches deep and you use container that's 18 inches deep that when you pull it out, it's like a drawer, right? It brings the back to the front so you can get at the things at the back by pulling out this sort of makeshift drawer that's a container. We're getting metal pullouts put in. You know, it takes me five minutes to put those things in now and they're a game changer for those deep cupboards. And do you have any advice for how to deal with a partner or or a roommate that might not be as organized as you think? Yeah, that's tricky. That is a tricky (laughs) one. I think communication, I think that comes down to, again, being brave and saying what's important to you. Um, You know, I know that, Uh, When we did do Sarah's house, the bird's papaya, she was in tears when she talked about in her stories because she said, you know, it's kind of affecting my family. It was very raw and Mm -hmm. it was very, she was very vulnerable, but she said it it is affecting my family, right? Because he wanted it to be more organized and, you know, she maybe was busy and didn't think it was that important, but they'd had that talk. And I think if you respect your partner and, you know, you don't want to build up that resentment and start just making a mess because your partner is super organized. Keep your common areas compromised. You can't attack people for being too organized, but you have to respect some people's need for it as well. I have to be organized or my ADHD increases, right? I have to meditate or my ADHD increases. So it's really a tool to keep me sane. Follow-up question to that. Mm-hmm. For for families that maybe have older kids after you've worked with your clients, is it hard for your your clients to get the kids to follow through with these new organizational habits that are that are being instilled on the house? Yeah, all kids. Of a you know, kids are tricky, right? I have two teenagers, and the cereal, you know, stuffs, empty packages are thrown in, and I think that again, it's like saying, "Well, am I going to shower if I get dirty?" You know, as long as you're not nagging, you're teaching them a life skill, right? And if I could go back and learn different skills in school. I certainly would like to learn self-regulation. I'd like to learn more about meditation, stress, anxiety awareness, also just life skills. And I think, you know, organizing or learning about how to manage 
your things is a life skill. And we always, you know, we're not taught that always. And it isn't necessarily intuitive. I, I don't know how to be an artist just because I want to be an artist. That's so great. I think you mm-hmm. probably already answered our last question, which is oh. what's one thing that you wish that you had been taught in school, but oh, if you hilarious. want to elaborate on any of that, please, please let us know. <laughs> yeah, I just go back to life skills, but I, I wish there was just a little bit more space for kids to learn about self-regulation and, you know, ways to calm themselves, stress, anxiety, life skills, but you know, I'm not a teacher and I know they're doing great jobs, but it, I'd love for the curriculum to have a bit of room for that. Love it. That's Thank so you great. so much. Yeah. You're I welcome. Would We would love to for you to tell everybody where they can find you, get your guides, work with you one-on-one if they can. Let sure. us know. Yeah. Well, if you are in Calgary, we do book every day, you know, a couple jobs on the go. Um, and so you can book on my website, which is www.go-simplified.com. My company is called Simplified. My last name is Go Lightly. So we had a little play, Go-Simplified, because Simplified was taken. So um, mm-hmm. Instagram is at Go Simplified, and the guides are available through a link on Instagram, but also on my website. Well, thank you. There's a lot of info, but I, I get excited about it. I'm super passionate and Uh, you know, it's fun to tell the story to try to inspire people to start, you know, just start and um, lean into that anxiety, because it's, it's not a bad thing. But you're worth it, right? We're all worth it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good. Well, thank you guys. That was fun. Thank you so much, Megan. This was such a great chat. We hope this episode helps you feel empowered to organize your life and declutter the things that no longer serve you because you are worth it. Yes, you are. And we'll leave you with a quote from the home organization queen herself, Marie Kondo. By acknowledging their contribution and letting them go with gratitude, you will be able to truly put the things you own and your life in order. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.